welcome to episode 141 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's special New Year's Day edition of the podcast, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Let's dive in. Several weeks ago, several of us at Ellerslie were recording these mini-series kind of episodes on just Christmas and New Year's. Well, what I wanted to do is for today's edition, since it is the first day of the new year of this 2020 year, I'm actually so excited, probably for all the puns that we get to have this year about this idea of having 2020 vision. And it does make sense as we enter into this year that we do need vision for without vision, the people perish. And it is interesting as we talk about setting goals and looking forward to this next year, a lot of us tend to get it wrong. Well, my good friend, Dan McConaughey, was recording a message just about the idea of New Year's and how we set New Year's resolutions and how we often do it wrong. Well, I thought it'd be a great idea just to play this message for you on the Deeper Christian Podcast. So without further ado, this is my good friend, Dan McConaughey, talking about New Year's resolutions. I want to take a look at the New Year. And one of the things about New Year's is this thing about resolutions, okay? So I thought just a review of history of, re- of resolutions would be an interesting thing and then maybe a little bit of an alternative. Um, the first resolution, New Year's resolutions that we have record of happened about 4,000 years ago in Babylon. King, uh, g- the god was Marduk and the Babylonians sought God's favor, their God, by sacrificing and promising that they would repay debts and return items that they had either borrowed and not returned or stolen. So that was 4,000 years ago. About 3,000 years ago, the Egyptians, with their gods, made sacrifices and promises at the beginning of every year in return for fertility, good fortune, and victory. And about 2,000 years ago, 46 BC to be exact, when Julius Caesar established January as the beginning, the first month of the year, which is in honor of the god Janus, J-A-N-U-S, the Romans sacrificed and vowed to do better than their previous year. That was what they were, their resolutions were about in order to placate their god, Janus. So about 800 AD, the European knights vowed on pain of death every year to be more chivalrous than the year before. And 1000 AD, Christians, this is the record that we have of Christians beginning this, they reflected on the mistakes of the previous year and resolved at the beginning of each new year to do better than the previous year. And actually in 1813 in a Boston newspaper was the first occurrence of the term 
New Year's resolution. And while the resolutions were still fundamentally a religious activity, they were now self-based rather than God-directed, whether it was capital G or little g, morally directed or others directed. Um, so it's always been a religious activity. It's always been about sacrifice, but most of it has been false worship and idolatry. So the focus that used to be appeasing a God for things that had happened before. Now, the focus is trying with the flesh to improve the flesh from things that happened before. So it's all about self. Health, fitness, beauty, improved finances, personal, professional development, better relationships. Less than 1% of New Year's resolutions have anything to do with God at all. And of that nine-tenths of a percent, almost all of them have to do with doing something for God than the actual pursuit of God. The content has been reactive and responsive rather than the other direction. It's still looking back and saying, whoa, I gained five pounds last year. I need to lose weight. So get in shape. These are the ten top. Get in shape lose weight, get organized, learn a skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money and spend less money, quit smoking, spend more time with friends and family, travel more, and read more. See how they're all looking back. I didn't travel enough. I need to travel more. I didn't make enough money. I need to make more. So the character in nature is self-centered, self-promoting, self-seeking, self-improving, self-gratifying, self-fulfilling, and all the other selfie words, okay? Now, January 12th is the day that most New Year's resolutions have their first flaw, okay? Now, here's the amazing thing. Only about 8% of New Year's resolutions are fulfilled by the end of the year. And I found a really cool article by a guy, a guy named David Desteno, who studies it pretty extensively. He says the reason why the majority, or the reason why basically New Year's resolutions are not kept is because we're not willing to sacrifice adequately. This is a secular psychiatrist isn't it interesting that he brings in the issue of sacrifice still? He sees that the New Year's resolutions are based on sacrifice, just like they have been for 4,000 years. Uh, I work out over at Anytime Fitness here, and Dave Haas, the owner of it, says that the majority of his income comes from people who get year-long memberships at New Year's and then don't show up again after the end of January. <laughs> so, what I would like to present you with, well, no, let's, first of all, the conclusions that I came to based on the history and the stats is that 
New Year's resolutions are a false hope. They make you think that you can do something. They are evidence of little or no true faith in God. They're quite probably an act of false worship or idolatry. Maybe idolizing yourself. And they are a dead work. They're simply the flesh trying to improve the flesh. So the alternative that I've worked up as I was planning this is quite interesting. Sacrificing yearly was not just a pagan thing. It was also a Jewish thing, ordained and commanded by God. Isn't that interesting? It was not just the Babylonians and the Romans and the Egyptians and the pagan people. God had the Jews for the same amount of time as the pagans did it, the Jews were also sacrificing on a yearly basis. So I don't have any problems with making a resolution as long as, okay? First of all, a New Year's resolution is no substitute for repentance. We look back and we say, well, I gained too much weight last year. Why? Because you were not disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness, which is a direct command, so it's a sin that needs to be repented of, not a resolve that you have to put in place. Nor should it be used to delay repentance until the next new year. We look at that and say, ah, well, maybe next year I'll make a resolution to stop, stop that. Now, interestingly, if you look at the reason why people give, they say that the resolutions are too hard to keep. So the suggestion, of course, is to make them easier. So, you've been overeating, how's this? For the next year, I resolve to eat one candy bar less than I did last year. That's one of the 8% that's, that don't fail. Okay. <laughs> So we've, we've established that if we have something in our life from previous failures, we don't resolve that by making a resolution. We resolve that by repentance. So what is a resolution for? And this, this is really interesting. I found two places in the Bible, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, where the, the original language actually used the word resolution. In Daniel 1.8, it says that Daniel resolved to not violate his, himself with the king's food. But it says it in chapter 1, verse 8, before he started eating the king's food. So what I'm presenting to you is the concept that a legitimate resolution needs to be forward-looking rather than backward-looking. You don't look back and say, well, I failed in that. I'm going to make a resolution so I can do it right. The other one is Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.2 where he said, 
I have resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. Now, did he say that because he'd been to Corinth before and failed? He talked about his hobbies and, and maybe went out with the guys and got drunk or something. No, he hadn't. He says, before I came to you, I resolved to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. This was not him repairing a former failing. He wasn't, it wasn't because he was overweight or anything like that. It's because what, it's what he planned. So they, both Daniel and Paul resolved, purpose, determined beforehand to glorify, honor, proclaim, display, pursue, and serve God, not themselves. It wasn't about themselves at all. You notice both of them? What was the, the eunuch's fear of Daniel and his four friends not eating good food? It was that they weren't going to look good. He, says, he said, when I present you to the king, he's going to look at you and say, you guys, the, their countenance is down, they look skinny, that, you know, it's going to be terrible. And so Daniel had an alternative. He had a creative alternative when he made his appeal. And it said that they went in there, their faces were brighter, their bodies were healthier, but that's not why they made the re resolution. They made the resolution to glorify God. It's interesting that I've, had, I've talked about things like this to people, and they say, well, what about Jonathan Edwards? He made resolutions. Yeah, that's right. All 70 of his were not made at New Year's. All 70 of his were not correcting previous errors. All 70 of them were looking forward. I will be this way. I will do this. I will live this way. He didn't look back and say, oh, I tried that once and failed. So, Jesus did it. Jesus in Luke 9.15, it says that he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. He resolved to go to Jerusalem. Had he tried it before and failed? No, he hadn't. This, he was being preemptive and proactive with his resolutions. Paul, he says, Herein do I exercise myself daily to have always a conscience void of offense. He made a resolution. He says, I resolve to never offend. Is it because he found himself always offending? No. He found himself never offending because he resolved to not offend. Peter in uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 1 says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Had Jesus tried it once and failed? Had he come to earth one time and had to go back home and say, man, Father, it didn't work that time. I'm sorry, I gave up halfway through. And No. Before coming, he had resolved to come and do his father's will. And look at the focus and the content and the character of the resolutions. They were focused on Jesus, on God. For example, 2 Corinthians 11.3, when Paul says, hey, don't, do, don't allow anything that will take pre, uh, preeminence over your devotion to Christ. 
He didn't say, wait until you find yourself undevoted and then make a New Year's resolution. He said, resolve beforehand, preemptively, to not do this. Some of you may have heard my little talk on left of bang. The whole purpose of a resolution is to keep yourself left of bang. Because once bang happens, you have to repent, you have to go back, you have to build back to where you were. Also, the content, so the focus was on God or on Jesus. The content, I propose, should be directed towards keeping the commands of Jesus and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. From this day forward, I will love. That should be the focus. It shouldn't be, ah, I really messed up a year ago. That's taken care of with repentance. Don't substitute making a resolution for the future, forward-looking, because the future is dealt with by hope. The past is dealt with by repentance, not resolutions. And the character in nature is devotional, gratitude, thanksgiving, rejoicing, contentment, godly jealousy, humility, forgiveness, those types of things. Now, back to the issue of the Jews and their sacrifices. We have in Hebrews 7, I mean Hebrews 8, verses 7 and 13, we have the discussion of an old covenant being superseded by a new covenant. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we have old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creation. In Romans 6.4, it says that the old life is gone and we walk in newness of life. And in Ezekiel 11, it says that God is going with the new covenant he will eradicate our old heart and will give us a new heart and a new spirit. Never once is there a mention of a new year in all of that. But let's take a look at Hebrews 10 just to see how this carries out with the Jews and with what we need to understand about what to do as we go forward. It says the law, Hebrews 10 verse 1, the law, since it has only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices year by year, make perfect those who draw near. The sacrifices couldn't do that. In fact, in verse 3, it says, in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year. Just like your standard New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I didn't do it again this year. Ah, you're reminded of your failure, constantly reminded of your failure. Of what? Not making a big enough sacrifice. I should have I worked harder. I should have been better. I should have run faster. I should have... That's, that's how we deal with the New Year's resolution that we fail. Next year, I'm going to do better. No, it says that those old sacrifices that we do year by year, it says it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for New Year's resolutions 
to sanctify you. It says, and every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which never take away sin. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins based on his forward-looking resolution that says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For all time sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time on until his enemies be made a footstool under his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. It doesn't, we don't need more sacrifices. We don't need that. We don't need more sacrifices. So I'm fine with making resolutions as long as they're not a substitute for repentance and as long as they're forward-looking, looking to the glory of God, to devotion to Christ, and saying, okay, from this time forward, that's where I go. Not looking back and saying, maybe I can correct that sin. Maybe I can redeem myself. We can't. So let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being that high priest who offered yourself one time, once for all, that by that one sacrifice we might be purified and perfected. And you have allowed us now to enter into that life. God, that we would quit thinking about the, trying to perfect ourselves, just like Paul said to the Galatians, having received Jesus by faith, are you now trying to perfect yourselves through the flesh? Lord, let us have the right focus, the right content, and the right character of our thinking so that we can grow into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that was an encouragement to you. And as you do begin to think and pray and kind of look at what God has in store for you for this next year, may I encourage you to keep Jesus Christ at the focus. Don't be distracted by all the, the gimmicky things or how you can you know improve yourself as much as what does it mean for you to go after Jesus Christ? Well, I pray that this year truly would be a year of epic proportions, that it would be a year where Jesus Christ is bigger in your life than ever before, that you're more in love with him than ever before. The word of God is richer in your life than ever before, that your times of prayer would be just drenched in sweeter intimacy with him than ever before. And yes, to go back to the sad puns, I do pray that it would be a year of 2020 vision of Jesus Christ and his word. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life this whole next year around Jesus Christ. See you next time.